Here was a uh, an episode that I recorded with Tony Maritato. Got to talk with Tony, who's a super smart guy. He and I have like similar levels of energy, but also like different levels of energy. Um, where I'm all over the place sometimes, doing way too much, too fast. Tony's very thoughtful. That's like a way to. That's like a nice. I think that's like a nice way of saying like it'd be like Jimmy talks too fast. And the opposite would be like, Tony's too slow, but he's not. I feel like Tony is exactly as fast as Tony should be. It's like he's got this thought process. He does this thing where he like thinks and breathes <laughs> where I just like sort of go. And that's why it's fun to talk to someone like him. Like, he slows me down in like a good way and asks really, really good questions in my opinion. So anyway, we were going back and forth via text. I was asking him, I don't know if I was asking him for advice as much as I was like thinking out loud via text. So I don't know if that's technically out loud, but I was thinking via text. And finally, Tony was just like, you know what we should do? We should stop talking about this on text and we should just like jump on a call and record it. And I was like, yeah, that's like something I would normally say, you know? And the funny part is you'll hear in the, in the conversation that we have coming up here is I even, so I'll get meta here where it's almost like therapeutic. Like, am I looking for this idea that we're going to talk about eventually in this episode, this big idea that I'm working on, am I looking for like people to agree with me? Am I looking for more information or am I looking for validation? And probably a mix of all three, but probably that third one. I, th I still think after all these years of content creation or just being a, a live human being, man, I, we, we all do this. Or I don't know. I don't know what the hell we all do. I know what I do. Always look for this validation thing, right? So I've got an idea. And instead of, this is also why I like Tony, instead of me just creating it and then presenting everybody or the world with this done, complete, slick product that's fully functional, what Tony also does is He's in a Facebook group and he's constantly making stuff, digital stuff or whatever, courses and websites, and he creates in public. He like shares his biggest wins, which I think everybody does. That's what social media typically is. But Tony also shows like the big failures or the oopsies or the didn't think about this or the ooh, like all those things. And, and we all, that's where the learning comes from, right? Watching the wins, I don't know if you'll learn a lot from that. I mean, I guess you'll learn a little bit, but like, I, I my, you know what? I'm going to stop talking about all of us. I'm going to start just to keep talking about Jimmy, and maybe it applies to you too. I think I learn more from the losses and the failures. And then, and then really the difference between like someone who fails and stops and someone who fails and keeps going is like, you really care about the thing that you're doing or the audience you're serving or the thing you're creating or anything like that. So anyway, so this episode is me talking about an idea and essentially it's, it's the idea of like, spoiler alert, it's um, what if I created a physical therapy podcast network where I added like 12 shows in a year, like one adding one different show. And the best analogy I think I give in the episode is like, what if I started treating my podcast less like Sports Center and more like ESPN, but I can't possibly host 12 different shows and I'll show you why I don't have to, to make this cool. So anyway, I do want to say thanks to our sponsors because again, without them, I can't, we can't have a network, which we might be having. Uh, Physiotech is, is a cool uh, organization. I just learned about them and I was like, really? And they're like, yeah. Here's the question they asked me on our first meeting. Do you think adding, for a PT clinic owner, adding $290 per patient per quarter would help a person's business? And I'm like, yeah, 
of that's rhetorical, of course. Well, they're like remote therapeutic monitoring can do that. And I'm like, yeah, I heard about that. I've heard presentations. I've seen that, you know, CSM and stuff, but like, how does it work? Because I'm thinking a lot of people are saying it's complicated, time consuming. Is the juice going to be worth the squeeze? The amount of time and stuff I'm going to have to do. And they're like, we saw that and we made it easy. And I'm like, tell me more. Uh, find out because they're the experts. If you can improve patient outcomes, reduce frustration on provider or eliminate it and improve clinic revenue. If you want to do those three things, check out how you can do it. Uh, physiotech.ca. They're from Canada. That's physiotec.ca. Also our friends at MW Therapy. We got to get Sharif back on the show. He's just, he's been doing like, he's been helping clinics and you know owners with their EMR needs. I think he's close to 20 years. He's got to be. He works for MW Therapy. They support the show for a long time. They deliver modern all-in-one outpatient EMR with the built-in patient portal, marketing automation, and billing features you want at a value your clinic deserves. MWTherapy.com. We're switching your EMR as easy. And our friends at ATI started uh, supporting the show. They, they helped sponsor that party with a purpose we did at CSM this year, which raised a bunch of money for some good causes. Good PTs know it's important to stay up to date on what's happening in the PT profession. With the best practices developed from over 2.5 million care episodes at ATI, they're doing their part to make sure the clinicians are practicing at the top of their game. They've got uh, continuing education if you work there, professional development opportunities, along with a great culture. They're working hard to ensure all clinicians are not only driving the PT industry forward, but also just going home happier. A little self-care. Find them at uh, ATIPT.com. Uh, so let's get into this episode that is impromptu episode with Tony Maritato, and maybe he's going to have a show on the uh, the network. I don't know if I mean I would listen to him. I would let's put it this way I would listen to Tony's podcast. I don't care what network it's on. I would listen to him just talk about stuff. It'd be like thoughts with Tony. I would listen to that. That would be at the top of my queue. So Tony Maritato on PT Pinecast. The best conversations happen at happy hour. Welcome to ours. Welcome aboard. This is the PT Pinecast. Here's your host, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Ready? I don't know what it is. It feels more official when there's a swoosh thing in the beginning. It's like swoosh. Now it's real. I saw it on TV. This is how they start TV shows. Tony Maritato, man, how are you? I'm doing awesome, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on again. We had to stop and I have several, I have conversations like this often like if you follow if you listen to what i do i still have no idea what my job is but i've talked to people a lot either like this or on the phone right and i often have to be like he we should stop talking because we should record this and you never say it the same way the second time right that you would it always just comes out better like when you're just ripping it right right so an hour or two ago we were talking about we should record all our phone calls yeah even if we don't use them, right? So now, we're talking about- Let me tell you, let me interrupt you because I do want to talk about this. I had shared a video over a year, maybe two years ago on my YouTube channel talking about micing yourself up in the clinic for the exact same reason that you share, clinicians share so much golden information with the individual in front of them. If they throw a mic on, a little task cam mic, Patients don't even see it. You're not recording the patient's side of the conversation, right, just sure. your side. That is, and we're going to talk about podcasts. That is podcast gold right there. Do people not do it? Because, well, I bet here I can tell you from the people that I work with why they didn't do it. One, they'll be like, 
I'm not, I don't have anything good to share. And I, I usually spot people who have good stuff to share when they say, I don't have anything good to share. I'm a little bit apprehensive when someone's like, I'm so smart. You should have me on your podcast. Usually that's Kruger. Dunning Kruger, right? A little narcissistic tendency. Do people balk at that or or, are more people not doing it? Because I agree with you and I think more people will do it in the future. Do people not do it because they're like, I'm, how am I going to parse through all that and edit and do all that? And that's just, are they, are they like overwhelmed at the amount of effort they're going to put into it later? No, I, 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 all I can do is talk for myself and I can tell you that as a therapist myself, 22 years in the business, it's, it's nerve wracking. I'm insecure. Like people are going to hear what I say and they're going to make fun of what I say and they're Mm going to agree with what I say. And for most of my career, that was a huge issue. And, you know, I started to share a Facebook post, not to get too far off topic, but I deleted it because I didn't want to push this boundary, but I really do believe as important as patient privacy is, as important as HIPAA is, as important as all of that is, I do think it creates a veil of secrecy that hides really bad clinicians. And I'm not talking about a clinician that does something that I don't agree with. I mean, genuinely bad clinicians that are doing harm to patients because the privacy is so thick that they're not held to peer to peer scrutiny. You know, and so going back for a second, um, when I answer the same question 20 times, 30 times a week, if I could just record the answer to that question, yes, it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me insecure knowing that other clinicians are going to look at it. But I promise you, just like taking a student in the clinic, it's going to make me a better clinician. So I don't think people are even getting to the point of like, how do I edit it? How do I upload it? The, the it's before that. I think it's just insecurity and I, I deal with it every single day. I understand the insecurity. I've been doing this, not podcasting or live streaming for I'm 43. I've been on a microphone sharing since I was 17 years old and I got news for you. That doesn't go away. Right. My first, I don't know if I've ever actually told the story in full before we go complete off topic, but that's yeah. what my thing is. I should just call my show off topic. The first time I picked where I went to school because they had a good communications program and they had a college radio station. And I remember I asked on my visit, if I want to have a radio show, how much more, how much extra will that be? Like, is it like playing a sport? And they're like, no. And I was like, in my head, I was like, done, I'm coming here. And then I finally, as a freshman, got my first radio show, second semester, had to wait my turn. 10 I'm like midnight to 2 a.m. on a Tuesday. No one's listening in upstate New York. I still did my first mic break and then played my song, turned the microphone off, went in the bathroom and vomited because I was so nervous. Right. So I'm not vomiting these days, but that little creeping feeling of insecurity and doubt. We ju- I don't I, I like this phrase. And it, it, it came to me when someone taught me about grief. You're not going to get over it, but you can get past it like you can yeah. move past it. Right. So you're not going to get over losing someone, but you can learn to live and get past it. So I think that's one of the lessons there, which is like, you're super smart as a clinician. The more you share, the better we all get, the more, the more we all learn. It's not, e- it's simple, but it's not easy. Right. And I mean, Johnny Carson, if you remember that, he yeah. talked about throwing up before every show. Did he really? Professional athletes talk about, you know, that never goes away. But I think it changes from fear to excitement. Like you, the way you kind of accept it is really what either empowers you or disables you. So I forget who it was. Someone was just talking about this. They were listening to reporters ask Olympic 
super G skiers after they had just gotten off the hill and they were like, the reporter's questions were kind of crappy. And these are professional question askers. And they were like, without fail, each skier would get like 10 questions from a smattering of reporters. And without fail, one of them would always ask the skier who had just done the thing they'd been training for their whole lives, but look scary, like, cause they're on like credible banks going 90 miles an hour. Were you scared? And every one of the skiers almost like, like, no, I, I was really, and they, in some form or another, every one of them said, I, no, I wasn't scared. I was excited. Right. It, they, part of their training was not about skiing. Part of their training was about thinking, how do I change? I'm sure the first time I did it, they were scared, but they learned to, to convert scared into excited. And that is the, that's one of the many differences, not just the difference, but one of the many differences between a top caliber athlete or something into from into from wherever they are into this top caliber thing because if you're scared i've never done a super g slalom at 90 miles an hour but i'm guessing if you're thinking about being scared you're gonna that's a big chance of a door open of getting hurt but right. it's interesting you say that is johnny carson still had it. he never got over it but he learned to get past it right all right so what did we oh is your dog going nuts dogs react to my voice when i do like when i do like zoom conversations with people they usually wear, if, I just had a call the other day where she was like, I got to go headphones on because if my dog hears you, she's going to lose her mind. No, they're uh, doing some construction outside. So that's uh, what he heard. But um, talking talk about, about fear to excitement, you know, yeah. that that's really the topic kind of we're talking about today because you have taken the whole idea around podcasts and your podcast network, which we're going to talk about. And I do think a big barrier, I, I can't imagine talking to a physical therapist, occupational therapist who doesn't understand the importance of a podcast or any kind of media outlet, but fear, anxiety, you know, all of that stuff is getting in the way. I think what you're doing helps bridge that from I'm fearful. I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed to I'm excited because now I've got somebody who's done this Right. since they were 17, kind of with me through the process, not doing it for me, but walking with me through this process. Right. I, so this came about, so what we're talking about came about when I was listening to people like Tony, people like, you know, uh, the movement maestro saying like, why aren't you, why aren't you sharing your expect, uh, expertise and people will happily pay for this in a great transaction, they will get, and this is where we like talk about exchange of abundance. They'll give you a hundred bucks and feel like they got 500 bucks worth of value. Why are you not making that exchange? It's probably something internal, right? So I kept hearing that and people kept saying, can you help me launch a podcast? And I was like, well, this is something I know. I kept thinking, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to say something. A bunch of people are going to disagree with me. No, no, no. You're supposed to do it like this, not like that. And finally, I, I, I recorded the course. I recorded 10 or 15 videos to go from I want to launch a podcast to it's up and running to monetization like and, and beyond running, right? And I recorded all those videos. I put it out and I hated it. And here's why. I would make that exchange. People, not one person asked for their money back. Not one person wrote a bad review. Not one person said I didn't get whatever I gave, right? Um, the problem was there was no this, there was no right. like back and forth. There was no, but what about, there was no this person asking me questions. So I sort of stopped pushing the course because I was like, this doesn't bring me excitement, right? And I'd already done it. So from some of the other people, put it out there on the internet, set it on autopilot and walk away. So it's out there. You can find it somewhere. 
the thing that I was really excited about was how do I sit with someone like a Rebecca Griffith, who's PT in the ED, right? She wants to help clinicians and organizations start PT programs in emergency departments. The thing that excited me about working with Rebecca was I'm going to get to solve weird problems for her. Not everybody is going to be a five-eighths millimeter Allen key on this, right? She's going to be a little different. And I like that difference. Here's the problem. How do I scale my time, right? Rebecca's like, listen, I got a hundred bucks to spend. And I'm like, well, I'm worth more than that. So then I said, this isn't scalable, right? It, it's not a good exchange. And then I thought, well, how do I combine what I like to do with what they want and what they're scared and what I'm not scared about? So I said, listen, what if I become your de facto executive producer, Rebecca, and we launch a podcast together? I do not want a cut of your podcast. And that's how I started. Very clear and open. I don't want to buy your podcast. I don't want to own your, I don't want a 10th. I don't want a contract, nothing. I'm going to sit with you once a week, once every other week, a couple times a month, whatever. And we solve, Jimmy solves Rebecca problems. Jimmy does Jimmy things. Rebecca does Rebecca things. And then she's like, well, what would you get out of it? And I started thinking like, well, if it's not money, what, which is fine. I don't think getting uh, monetary is the only way you can get paid or get something out of it. I said, okay, well, I've got a podcast that does between 60 and 120,000 downloads a month. For me to get more, I'd need to just podcast more, which is fine, but I got a life and other things and me podcasting twice a week is kind of where I want to be right now. Well, what if Rebecca, and this is where the, the tilting of my podcast as a show to a podcast as a network, and I'll say that again, because some people are like, I don't know the difference. Instead of me looking at myself as sports center, now I'm looking at myself as ESPN. That's the network that the show is on. So that's like the best way of, I've seen my light bulb go on. So I'm a network now. And I just happen to only put out one show. But what if I did two? Well, I don't want to host a show about physical therapists in the emergency department. I don't have that insight. Rebecca does. So she's got her own podcast, her own network, side network. I said, Rebecca, you just got to give me one unique episode per month. And she's like, but I don't know how to do that or how to, I'm going to help you with all that. Like, I'm going to help you. How, what do you do? Before, how do you pick out guests? I don't, I don't know, says Rebecca. Uh, well, then we'll go through that. I'm going to help you figure out how you want to pick out guests. I'm going to hold your hand. Well, what, how do I do this? Do I email them? No, no, no. I've, I've got an app that costs, you know, six bucks a month. I'll, sh I'll, I'll show you my app and, and my questionnaire, my screener and why I do each question and how it saves me time. So all of her objections, I'm sort of removing them saying, I'm not just going to give you a PDF download. Like I'm going to sit with you because for me investing in Rebecca, the quality of her episodes are going to go way up. And now when she gives me one episode a month and I get to share that on my network and why is that valuable to Jimmy? Because now I go from 60 to 120,000 downloads a month to I just added one more piece of content. If I did that four times, right? I've got Rebecca, Alyssa, Rachel, and Katie all in different niches within the profession, uh, profession, I just added an episode a week. Well, it sounds like I just added 33% more output. Following the math, I should, I should add 33% more downloads. Why is that valuable? I can go sell. I just created digital waterfront real estate. I just created space that did not exist yesterday, right? So in six months, I can turn to a potential advertiser and go, do you want the attention of physical therapists? And they go, yes, because I sell products to physical therapists. And I can say, right this way. Now, keep in mind, I still want Rebecca, Alyssa, Katie to have their own shows. I want them to have their own intellectual property on the side, but this is where we get to kind of join forces because I can also turn to an Alyssa 
and say, Alyssa, hey, here's a promo copy for Rachel. Just somewhere in an episode this month, read a, read a thing about Rachel. Rachel's going to do the thing for Katie. Katie's going to do the thing for Alyssa. And it goes round and round. So it's like now you're part of the network because, and going back to the ESPN analogy, nothing says you can't host Sports Center and also call games on Monday Night Football. Like you, those are two different networks, right? ABC and ESPN. They're owned by the same company, but like they're, they're different networks. So they look different, but they're not. So I'm playing around with this, which is how do we bring our strengths? And Alyssa's not a strong podcaster. Alyssa, I'm using air quotes. I think you're a strong podcaster. She's not a strong podcaster yet. But part of my job in radio was not only being on the air, it was helping broadcasters become better broadcasters. And Alyssa's like, that's what I need. What do you need, Jimmy? I need some content. I need people who have fire and insight. And Alyssa's like, I have fire and insight. I'm a dance PT. So that's the idea of the network is I'm 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 onboarding four shows or I'm helping to launch four shows with and I asked I asked 12 people at CSM or in the last couple of weeks if they would be willing. And I essentially had this conversation that we've been having for the last 10 minutes and I got uh, uh, 11 yeses and one maybe. And the only reason it was a maybe is because the person's job is a really high, high up job at an organization. They're like, I'm in. Let me just get it cleared because like. I have some sensitive information and they just need to know I'm not going to share that, which is kind of a cool person to have on your network, right? Like, you know, so that's the idea. And it's, it's really like, how do I build this in public? Similar to what you do in your Facebook group is like everything I just explained should work, but that's on paper. It's actually on dry erase board to my right, but like it should work. Will it? I don't know, but let's, it's a cool science experiment. Let's find out. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think this is the future. I mean, I, I love when I see a situation where you can take something that has more value to somebody else, you know, your expertise, your history, something that they could never do for themselves, and they can exchange it for something that they have that's Order. more valuable to you than it is to them. Now, <clears throat> you asked me and what triggered this whole let's jump on was why why am I not doing it? Why have I not doing it, done it? Am Specifically, I why, why haven't you done a podcast, right? That's what, yeah, yeah. that's what I wanted to know. And, and I think, I think it's a combination because I had mentioned I've tried, like I've looked at it. I remember back on anchor, I had one. And if you Google search my name, sometimes you can find some little clips that I had, but I think like most of us, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, well, I consume podcasts. I listen to podcasts. Uh, I don't know that I really have anything of value to share in that medium. Um, and then I'm like, that's one more thing that's going to take away from something else. It's, you know, opportunity cost. I've seen so many podcasts that just in my estimation underperform. And, and the, the biggest challenge I think I have with podcasting is like when I put something on YouTube, YouTube's algorithm will intentionally share my information with the people that YouTube believes will want to watch my content. Like I don't do Facebook. I don't do Instagram. I don't do other stuff for, for the same reason. I feel like those platforms aren't actively working on my behalf, whereas YouTube is. But then when I look at podcasting, I'm like, well, now that YouTube has a podcast feature and I do have all of the infrastructure for video and audio. Um, this is something that I should do, but can I do it without detracting from the things that I'm already doing that are successful? You know, because still, what's my guiding light, my guiding principle for me, it's time freedom. 
It's as little commitment as possible to anything that takes my personal time away from my kids, my family, the stuff that I want to do. Um, <clears throat> so that's where I go back to, I think probably being part of community would be a great advantage for me to consider, okay, yeah, the podcast might be worth it. Right. Uh, like you, I like the back and forth. That's why most of my courses, there's still live elements to all of my courses because I get a chance to see new people, real people. I'm not talking to a black circle and a red light. I'm talking to a human. Um, and I think there's benefit to that. And so when I look back at what would I do with a podcast? How could I model a podcast for success so that I do have, you know, a, a carrot on the end of the stick that I'm moving toward? Um, I really like the idea of back to what I what I had shared, miking up in the clinic. Yes. Uh, video is hard in the clinic because of patient privacy. Correct. And video is hard to like set up and take down and do all these things. But a mic on me, it's just so simple for me to flip on, record my answer to a question and flip off. And that is something then that it's already saved as an MP3. It could be uploaded directly. Um, it could be dropped into multiple resources, you know, that can be consumed by people who want to know, do I put ice or heat on my knee? Is it okay to sleep on my side after a total knee replacement? Do I really have to have my knee completely straight? You know, like all of these things that are general information that applies to practically no one. I think if we can, we can can that and get it out there. <clears throat> I think there's an audience for that. And of course, the advantage is, like you said, you have the platform. I'm starting from zero in that respect. But by putting an episode on your platform, it's a commercial for my platform. Correct. It's a commercial to grow my audience. Um, and I think it's the right way to do it. I said to people, because I want to stick with the sports analogy, because I just beat that, that to death, the ESPN. I was like, listen, it's like, it's like your show if you're launching it or relaunching. It doesn't matter if you have it or we're, or we're going to start it. Your show's being born on third base and you right. got to score one run. I'd rather be on third base and have to score a run than be in the batter's box and have to score a run because starting from zero, you have inertia, like overcoming that inertia, right? And then you go back to what we talked about in the beginning, this Dunning-Kruger or this, oh, I don't really have anything good to add. It's hard to talk to a camera or a microphone and then put something out there, put a lot of time and effort and money and and get a minimal return on that investment right because it's supposed to be it's supposed to be i'm trying to like do this visually but the camera's in reverse this is how it should be you should spend a lot of effort time and money in the beginning and then that should shrink over time but the actual results should be like super minimal in the beginning and then increase over time and that comes with unfortunately failure like right. You know, I, I did a quick reel the other day because I've been yelled at for the last year and a half. How come you're not doing reels? Want to know why? Because I didn't, I wasn't really 100% comfortable putting my face on things because I'm a radio guy. Uh -huh. But the reel was really about you have something, if you have something that someone is questioning, if you like, like your whole thing or a lot of the things that you do in terms of writing articles is like, don't write an article about talking about yourself. Really, the goal should be what question am I answering? And Make sure people are asking that question. Yeah. And that could, like, I love the fact that you're like, if I answer a question more than twice in the clinic, I should create three pieces of content to answer that, put them out in the world and move on. Right. Until that answer change. 
and changes, then come back and maybe update that answer. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and I think that's one of those things where we, as a profession, um, you know, we're frustrated, we're beat down, we complain that reimbursement's going down, we complain that we're working too much, documentation is getting worse, you know. Um, but in reality, I think it's because we're still trying to force a model that was effective in 1972 yeah. into 2023. And so when I look at and I share for people listening that maybe don't see me on my personal profile, I mean, I've shared the growth from 2019, where I started, really started my online business through now, um, pretty consistently, I'm averaging between nine and uh, I'm going to say nine and 12,000 a month, um, just from online content. Now that's a YouTube channel, that's income from ads on my articles, that's stuff like that, digital courses. And all of that is related and built on my knowledge as a therapist and as a practice owner. So the idea is we're mad because the, the client, which I'm going to say is an insurance company that used to pay us, doesn't want to pay us as much anymore, but we've got so many other opportunities to monitor right. the knowledge that we have and to provide it to the people who need it. You and I had talked about prior to recording, you know, there are going to be individuals that just can't afford like a copay, coinsurance, deductible. That's going to be a massive part of their budget. For me, if $50 is going to put stress on an individual to come to therapy, I'd rather just do it for free. The $50 is not going to move the financial needle for me or my practice or anyone involved. It's easier for me to deliver that service for free because all I really need is one or two big wins in a calendar year that fund my passion, which would be delivering therapy services, right. you know? And so looking at a podcast, a YouTube channel, any kind of media outlet, I just can't imagine with you and I haven't discussed this, but with AI, with chat GPT, with all of the stuff that's coming down the road, like even the deep fake content where they can yeah. create videos that you've never created. Um, the value of you, your personal brand, your personal perspectives, you as a human being, I think the value of that stock is just going to skyrocket in a world where generic content is basically down to nothing. It has no value. It's free. Mm -hmm. It can be produced en masse anywhere. Right. So having that, you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes of a person's attention, I just went for a run. I run every day. I listen to YouTube as a podcast platform during every single run. I'm not switching channels. I pick the show and I listen to it for 40 to 60 minutes. That's what the podcast has. I used to have this thing where I would rush through interviews or I would make sure there was no dead air because I was like, the minute this is boring, someone's going to turn it off. And I yeah. was like, but I don't even do that. Right. And that's when I really started thinking about, I started to become my own program director where I was like, I'm probably in reality, right? What problem am I solving? What question am I answering with my podcast as my tool? It could be a video, it could be a blog, but my tool is podcasting. I don't know if I'm solving clinical or business questions. I think I'm solving a boredom problem. Secondarily, right. it's like I'm bored, but I want to grow as a clinician. So I tap this. There's this guy, Jimmy, who has a beer and blah, 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 blah. But you don't need to feel, fill every second. I think I got real insecure where I'm talking to Mike Ryman from 
you know, Duke years ago. And I remember just being like, I need to make sure this thing is jam packed where now I didn't lower the bar. I tried to become more accurate with the bar. And the goal is have, have fun. It's got to sound fun. And I'll go into what I think fun is by the way, because it is important and learn one thing. So fun is binary. This is either fun or it's not. And then learning one thing that can be a little subjective because people might've already had 30 nuggets in the 25 minutes we've gotten to right now. They might have one or zero, you know, maybe they haven't learned anything. Maybe someone's like, I already knew all that crap. These guys suck. And the fun thing, I learned what fun was from my former morning show host, who was a killer morning guy. His name was Jim Bone. And Jim, he was a huge fan of stand-up comedy, huge fan. We interviewed Rain Wilson before he was on The Office, and our radio station was in Scranton. We interviewed Rain Wilson three three years before The, the Office, so we got Rain Wilson on our show regularly, his show what regularly. What character is that? that? What's that? What character is that? Rain Wilson is uh, Dwight, Dwight Schrute. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he was killer. So, so Jim Bone loves stand-up comedy. And I never thought about it like this, which, by the way, is the greatest compliment someone can give me, is I listen to your show, and I never thought about it like that. And Jim Bone highlighted the difference between fun and funny. And he said, fun is easier to scale. I can turn a microphone on and be fun. Fun's an environment. It's a feeling. But Kevin Hart or Bill Burr or Theo Vaughn, if they're going to do a comedy special, all those guys are fun, period, fun. Like you put them in a party, you're going to have some fun. But they'll work for six months, nine months, 12 months to create a comedy special that is funny every time they want to hit one of those beats. I saw Seinfeld's residency at the Beacon Theater in New York. He didn't even take two breaths in between jokes and they never felt like jokes they just felt like jerry Cole. but every one of them was funny right so there's a reason I'm, I'm i'm highlighting the difference between funny and fun is you really just need to be fun and help someone learn something i mean what are the two things you can do with content entertain someone educate someone and then there's a bonus one right always have a trick if you can make those two things happen at the same time entertaining and informative at the same time that's where you can write your own ticket. How many lectures did we go to in PT school? No offense to PT professors, but you didn't, you didn't, un, I bet you most of them didn't understand that they were allowed to be fun. Right. They're like, I don't have time to be fun. I would push back and I'd be like, you, you don't have time not to be fun. Cause how many times we know that we learn in shorter spurts, but then we'll take a 90 minute lecture. How much after minute 28 do you think you're absorbing? But the goal of the lecture wasn't to get you to absorb information. It was to have shared that information so you can be accredited because you checked the box. Yeah. And that's why there's an opportunity for Rachel and all things Cardio Palm as her podcast because she's super excited, knows it so, so well that she can make it fun. But why doesn't Rachel have a podcast? Because of everything we talked about. Because I don't know where to start. and I feel like I'm not, I shouldn't be doing it and yada, yada. And that's what I wanted to give with the network where like, I see the Rachel of the all things cardio palm podcast of the world. And I say, it's a damn shame. She's not sharing more of it and she should, but if it's this little thing that I can help her get over, like buy the damn microphone for 90 bucks and sign up for an account on blueberry and I'll, t I'll help you take care of the rest. Yeah, no, I, t I totally agree. So um, going back to why I haven't done it, why I'm, I didn't do yeah, it before. Why? It, it, it the timing wasn't right 
You know, okay. and I think I, I've seen in my own life experience, the timing has to line up. Agreed. Um, I had tried to do a directory website back in early 2000. Technology wasn't there. I didn't have the capability to do it. I tried it again, like 2010, 11. Technology was better, but I still didn't have the capability. This year, last year, I've done it. And it's it's incredibly successful as far Crazy. as my expectation. And I see it continuing to grow. That's the Choose PT First podcast and the or Choose PT First directory. Um, in regards to the podcast, it's kind of the same thing. Like I've I've had false starts. I've tried multiple times. Every time it's failed because I've just never felt like the the environment was right. Now I feel like the environment's right. It's a combination of being connected to you, uh, having the technology at ha in hand that makes it easy for me to do it without taking away from other projects that I'm working on. And I think that now there's an audience out there between your audience, the audience I have across other media outlets, um, that it could actually help somebody, that I could produce something that provides value to somebody in that respect. Yeah, I think it, I I think that's probably one of the reasons I did a false start with that podcast course. It's like everybody kept, told me I should. I didn't see a, a reason. Of course, it was time because me recording educational videos isn't my bag. But Jimmy, you're so comfortable in front of a camera. I'm actually not. I need to forget the cameras there is when I get ironically get comfortable. But in a course, you got to keep staring at it the whole time. <laughs> Lesson three. What I should have, what I should have done in retrospect, as we're having this conversation, I should have picked someone who was my perfect pay, like my perfect patient, my perfect customer. Done the courses as if no one's recording, but recorded all of them, and then just either released that or been like watched that episode and then been and then done like commentary on it. Like, watch, this is Rachel's objection. There's no time. What What if I told you, Rebecca, uh, Rachel, I can get your podcast to full functionality. Uh, in two hours a, a, a week, and she'd be like, "Why well, I have no objection to that." I'm like, great, we're moving on. But that's therapy, because that's what that's what a course should be, or that's what I'm better at, which is like, I didn't even talk to the person and talking to the camera with the microphone. That wasn't my jam. I didn't like it, so why do right. it? Don't right. So, so what do people expect moving forward? I'm so on the, the idea is this is an experiment we're, we're we're trying in public. This thing might fall on its face, but the idea is, what if I become the C uh, the ESPN? of physical therapy what if i become the npr of what if i become the bar stool sports of right? right and i use those three models because hey there's my proof of concept you you at least know the names of all those things right so espn has a tv channel and then they have a podcast and then they have like 30 other podcasts because they said listen we are a sports organization we're going to niche down in hockey, football, baseball, NCAA men's, NCAA women's, swimming, curling. I don't know. Fencing. There's others like you can go smaller and smaller and smaller. I don't want to host all those, but I think they should exist. So instead of helping just selling someone a hundred dollar podcast course, I'm saying, come on my show. And eventually when you subscribe to this channel on iTunes or Spotify, you're going to be able to sift through and get really narrow into not hockey, baseball, football, but that we're designing a show just for physical therapist assistance. That's an, I asked several times online, where's the PTA podcast? Well, there was yeah. one a while ago, but it lost steam. Great. I mean, I think the last time we, it was like 15,000 physical therapist assistants or something. I don't know that enough people to, I mean, what do you need for the minimum viable product for a podcast? I don't know. A thousand. All right. I, I could find a thousand. 
but Jimmy shouldn't host that. But I know Katie Sutton, who's an amazing PTA and educator. And she's like, but I don't know how to start podcasts. I go, well, look at that. I got an audience. And the only reason there's a gap between creating the content and the content being made is you don't know how to do it. That's a slam dunk. I can have you done it. I could, we'll be up and running in less than 30 days. So you but have 11 yeses. You have 11 yeses. One, one maybe. maybe. A 13th yes from me. There we go. Like, are there more spots? When is this launch? What, yeah, so what? the idea is uh, Jimmy McKay of a year ago probably has people's, like Tony's voice in his head going, hey, do that, but do it really well. So I'm, that's why I'm just focusing on the four shows I've been talking about. Gotcha. Let me, I mean, this is easy for me to do myself. Let me see how easy it is for someone else to do it. And I picked these four shows on purpose. I didn't pick a throwing athlete, orthopedics, sports, neuro, geriatrics. I didn't pick one of those because those are so big. I figured if I succeeded there, I'd be like, well, of course that was going to work, right? I picked physical therapist assistant, dance PT, cardiopulmonary, and physical therapist in the emergency department. Those are small. Because yeah. in my head, like New York, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. I could great. Where's the baseball show? Like we could right. dunk that. Where's the where's the neuro show? Where's the post-stroke show? Right. So the idea there is in the next 30 to 45 days, you'll see those shows beginning to give me one episode a month. So now on your feed, if you su subscribe to PT Pinecast, you're gonna see Jimmy and hear Jimmy doing his Pinecast thing. But you're also gonna see a little blip. Oh, what's this PTA plus thing? Well, I probably, I'm going to expose all my audience to that show. And on the side, Katie's going to be beginning to release her own episodes at her own cadence. But she owes me one episode, a unique episode per month that I'm going to help her produce. Same thing for Rebecca, Rachel, and Alyssa. So that's what you'll see. We're starting to roll those out. And that's what it is, is you, they automatically get exposed to X number of people, right? Hey, if you like this, go subscribe and get even more. Yeah. And this is the rising tide lifts all ships. And full disclosure, can will that increase their monetization ability, if that's even a word? Absolutely. I want to help them make money on that. Can they help me make money and, and share attention? Yes. And we're okay because I said that from the beginning. This is the relationship we have. Right. And I'm happy to show them how to turn attention into dollars or attention into something. I mean, the people that work for me, I've helped people like, hey, you want to take that course over there, that Con Ed course? And that's 700 bucks. Hey, what if uh, what if I email them because they've heard of the podcast and I say, hey, Johnny Owens, who's a sponsor though, which is also like, I mean, he, Johnny knows. Hey, Johnny, uh, one of my producers wants to take your um, course. She'll come on the show afterwards and kind of do an unboxing video. She'll tell everybody how great or not how great it was, how it was. Yeah. It's probably going to be great because I know Johnny and people keep raving about it, but that's uh, what's, what's in it. What do I do? Pay money? No, no. Just let Juliet take the course for free. Okay, slam dunk, rising tide, lips all ships. Yeah. So, so that's the idea. Is so, what would your show be if if, if we're going to be the ESPN of PT? A lot of your products are pointed directly to the patient. Would you change? Would you change? Because the stuff that you share in your Facebook groups, I'm all eyes. I'm all ears. I think PTs want to understand that. I think the problem that you have is you're running at a four minute mile pace and most of us are running at a 12 minute mile pace. And we're like, I want to get there, but whoo, I don't know how to bridge that gap, man. Like you're, you're like on, you know, you're on, you're teaching a 501 class and we're all taking 101 classes. Let's use this question to wrap up this episode. Okay. Okay. And what we'll do is we'll say, if you guys have been watching, listening this long, 
go ahead and let us know because ultimately, and I shared this actually yesterday, I think I shared a screenshot yesterday, the day before looking at um, YouTube analytics, looking at CPM, which is cost per milli. It's basically how much advertisers are paying to be on my YouTube channel and show their ads. And if you look at my Learn Medicare Billing YouTube channel, it was around $34 or $35 per thousand views. Per thousand. Yeah. If you look at my total knee replacement channel, it was about $12 per thousand views. And my shoulder channel was about $9 per thousand views. So I brought up the topic. I said, look, shoulder pain is a bigger audience than, you know, Learn Medicare Billing. But I need three times the viewership to make still less than I would make on my Medicare channel. So for anybody watching this, listening to this, thinking about this, you're the audience. Like the people that are here right now, you are the community. You are the audience. I can ob obviously create Q&As and do interviews related to building your practice, Medicare billing, cash pay therapy, hybrid, all of that. I had an amazing quick plug. I had an amazing interview with Jerry Durham that's oh, coming yeah. out today, I think, um, where we talked about all this stuff, you know, leveraging the tools we have to grow our business and expand the exposure to the profession. Or I could just go make a left turn and just say, you know what, I'm just going to hit the biggest audience available to me right now, which is total knee replacement. Now I'm just going to, my, my version of a podcast is going to be focused on helping individuals who have had a total knee replacement, both in the US and outside the country, get answers to the questions that they just don't understand. Why is my knee still stiff? Why can't my therapist help me get range of motion? I'm working so hard and not improving where my neighbor had one and they were walking without a cane in five days. You know, like either one, what do you guys think the audience, let us know in the comments, let us know on Facebook or anywhere yeah. you see this information. And then it's like, remember Encyclopedia Brown, you guys can select the next phase. Yep. You guys can let us know where we go with it. I like that. Um, I appreciate you jumping on so quick with me because I think it's, better in the, it's always better in the moment. Oh, Alexa is very, Alexa is not confused, uh, not sure about that, which is good. It's like, she's my magic eight ball. Um, <laughs> I like that. I would like to hear from you. I always like to hear from you. That's the funny part is I have a lot of these conversations in my living room or wherever I'm recording or live at CSM or at school or whatever. And then I'll meet people months later and they'll go, I love, you know, I listen to your podcast. I'm like, no, not one DM. No, not a retweet, not a, not a, not a tweet at. So it's at PT Pinecast. Let me know. Cause it is, I mean, you don't have to say you love it, just that you listened. I just want to know that you're listening. And I always like to follow with why. How'd you find the show? What didn't what what caused you to spend your time and pay? attention that's one thing i like feedback for as well tony we'll see more as we grow this thing in public appreciate you uh, jumping on board with us love it jimmy thanks for having me The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.